Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey, Paul. Good morning. How's it going today? Doing well. Fantastic. Uh, another crazy week. I know um, this has been interesting. We're not doing our weekly podcast. We're doing every other week, which, which I think is good. Hopefully, the listeners are still listening. Uh, which will be a good thing, and hopefully the the quality is still the same. So we're hoping that people are still still staying tuned in and and subscribing to the podcast. Um, but this past week was interesting, you know, just just paying bills, uh, going through my normal routines, work, uh, working from home, and once again thankful and grateful I'm able to work from home and trying to keep sane with everything going on. We had a little bit of snow at the beginning of the week, and uh, tying it back to one of my our earlier episodes, um, maintenance, uh, my snowblower pulled it out, started it up, started right up. The oil was good. Gas was good. I have my stable in the gas. So anyone who doesn't know what stable is, look it up. It's a stabilizer for gasoline. Um, and, uh, Knock wood, the snowblower worked like a charm. So listen back to one of our podcasts where we talk about home maintenance and and having uh, protecting your tools. I consider the snowblower a tool. So, uh, Paul, how was your week? Uh, my, my week was good, very busy, very busy. Uh, as you know, I'm a first responder, so I was able uh, – I got my second – uh, COVID vaccination shot. Ah, very cool. And, very cool. And, uh, it was a little, uh, little knocked me um, knocked me down for a couple of days there. I was tired, very tired for a few days and such, but, uh, very thankful that, uh, I have that and, um, hopefully it keeps rolling out and more and more people can get it and get this behind us, if you will. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. I, I can't wait for that day as well. Uh, one of these days, maybe we'll even do the podcast in the same room. Haven't wow. done it yet, even before COVID, but maybe one of these days we'll have to do a special episode live from one of our houses, bring the microphones great. and the laptops with us. And uh, Although I'm, we'll have to see how that works. It'll be interesting. Uh, that'd be an interesting dynamic to be in the same room. Maybe that's something we have to put on our idea list, right? We'll have to pick a Saturday and uh, either I'll venture down there or you venture up here and just break out the gear in the uh, dining room and just have at it, you know? So, Sounds like a plan. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, today's topic is individual investing, and, and it's really timely because it's lessons learned from GameStop. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Um, both news stories, Paul, um, and I'll have to admit this, um, I'm looking at both. One was from CNN. Everything you need to know about how a Reddit group blew up GameStop stock, GameStop's stock, and the second news story was from Barron's. The GameStop revolt has just begun. Get ready. And to be honest with you, Paul, um, this week we're going to do it a little bit differently um, because I read through both stories and they talked about shorts and they talked about options and short plays and short squeeze. And to be honest with you, um, and I'll admit this, I, I, it, was, it was hard for me to make heads or tails of the situation. So, you know, when I read through both stories, they tried to explain what was happening and how it's going to have an impact on the future. But I think this really ties directly to, you know, the, the crux of the podcast this week is individual investing and knowing when to invest, how to invest, betting with your head, all these different things. So maybe, Paul, I know we chatted at the beginning of the podcast or actually before the podcast. I'd love to hear your take on what happened with GameStop. Can we just start there? And, and people could read the stories on their own. 
But maybe we could just jump right into the topic this week of individual investing and speculative risk, right? Lessons learned from GameStop. So maybe we just start with uh, the GameStop situation. Can you give a little color to it, Paul? Because to be honest with you, I can't make heads or tails of it. Okay, sure. So uh, those of you who maybe aren't familiar with GameStop, it's a uh, a retail-based environment, brick-and-mortar store where people go in, buy video games for their game consoles. Uh, if you have a, a game you don't play anymore, you can go into the store and sell it, and they'll give you, you know, a certain amount on a dollar for what it was originally valued at. You know, it's a $50 game. Maybe it'll give you 5 bucks uh, a couple years later on that same game. And that spawns a used market, and someone else might buy it. It works. It's worked out very well for them for a long time, uh, with the exception that now that broadband is so pervasive in our country and the world that more and more of the game consoles are just downloads. So you buy the game online or you have a subscription and you download it to your console and you play it via your broadband connections. So that obviously has a huge impact on a brick-and-mortar footprint retailer. So they've been getting squeezed by that for years, especially when they're in malls and mall rent uh, is, can be very high. It, it's hard to make a margin. It's really, really hard. So they've been squeezed for a long time. And the, you know the overall retail apocalypse of everything online and what happened, COVID accelerated that like it did for a lot of retailers. So now you have game consoles where you just buy the games online. You have the COVID factor with an already dying retail environment. So the stock was valued at X dollars and people are hedging that the company is going to collapse. So they sell shares that they don't own. Okay, that's short selling. And then they hope the stock drops in value and they buy it at a much cheaper price and the delta is their profit. That's really what short is and how it works. And GameStop was one of the stocks that had the most short sellers out there. Hugely shorted. And what happened was people in uh, a Reddit community, which is an online community where people can gather and collaborate and, and share thoughts and ideas. There are a number of them out there around investing in stock, got together and said, hey, all these people are shorting it. Let's buy it and drive up the price. It's the exact opposite of what short sellers want to do. And what that did is the stock went up um, astronomically, like a rocket ship. And 1600% is what it went up by hmm. in a couple weeks. So now the short sellers have to cover their short. So now instead of making that difference, they sold something they didn't own, and now they have to go actually buy it to cover that sell, and they lost money. Now, how this ties into us is this is a really. Uh, a risky type environment and I was actually chatting Paul I didn't share the story with you yet I was chatting with a an author this past week for work uh, we're doing a case study on something we did and this is a gentleman you know I would say uh, maybe a few years our senior Paul and he's you know 
again that point in his career where things are like oh I, we chatted about the GameStop stuff and he's like wow you know this was really intriguing to me and what, what resonated most with me what he said was he wanted to get in on this hmm. okay so he created a reddit account and he's like all right let me go read about this and learn how to do this and he, what he and this is a gentleman who's fairly accomplished okay and he said to me he had a fear of missing out hmm fomo right uh, fear of missing FOMO, out fomo right. yeah FOMO. and and that's what happened here i think that's a big part of this so and why did he have that fear is because it's so publicized. If it had this stayed in the Reddit community, it probably would have happened, and, and it did, obviously. It would have been certain size. But it went ballistic because of the news media take, latching onto this and just it, 1,600%, right? And so he has this, he had this fear, you know? Of like, hey, I should set up an account to do individual stock investing, and and it's just sucking people in to do this, and it is so risky. It it is so risky. You have a hedge fund here who now had to get covered by another fund. Hmm. You have individual investors. Some made some money, some good money, and some have lost it because the stock the stock has been dropping again. Hmm. Right, it's getting back down to closer to where it was. It's, I think it's still double when I looked uh, yesterday from where it was trading before this whole story happened. I think to our listeners, Paul, the, the message here is uh, a few points. Be careful. Uh, I think you even had some notes in there, Paul, about about this and doing your homework and such. You, you want to touch on those ideas? Yeah, yeah. I think for me it's interesting, right, because stock picking – in general, right? And this kind of ties back to GameStop was kind of the catalyst for doing the podcast today. But I had a situation personally where I was told of a by somebody, you know, it was kind of a friend of a friend that, you know, uh, that was saying that, you know, this Lomans, right? This was many, many years ago. Um, Lomans, you know, he had some friends that were buying a lot of Lomans stock, right? Because they thought X, Y, Z. And I fell for it, right? And I took 800 bucks. You know, I didn't go above my, my, my limits, but I took 800 bucks and I put it into Lomans. And of course, exactly what you said, fear of missing out. I'm talking to a colleague at work. I tell him what's happening over lunch. The next day, he tells me he bought Lomans. He bought more than I did. Right. And then the stock, like a month later, was a disaster. Right. They went bankrupt. <laughs> they bankrupted out the shares, which I didn't even think was possible. Right. I was uninformed. And the stock went to zero. It was worthless. Right. It, it became non existent. So my 800 bucks was gone. So my buddy, who I love him to death, um, another good friend of mine, uh, you know, every time I talk to him, he busts my chops about Lomans. Right. How about that Lomans stock? And I'm like, look, dude, I told you. Like, I didn't know. I just. But once again, right, it was, you know, if I look back at that situation, it was kind of the same thing as this GameStop, right? It was a fear of missing out. I, I, heard, I heard from people that, hey, you know, I'm going to buy this stock and it's cheap and it's only a dollar a share, but it's probably going to go to, you know, $10. Like you hear all these crazy things, right? Yeah. Uh, sky's the limit, you know, all these things. And then I bought it without any research, without any real looking. Um, this might have been on the cusp of the Internet, to be honest with you. Um, so getting the research might have been a little tougher. I'm telling you, this was 
early 2000s, late 90s, right, where this happened, this Loman stock um, situation. But it was a lesson learned, you know, for me. And then, you know, there was a time when, for me, I had a little, I'll call a Charles Schwab account, right? And, and, and so I had bought some stock in there um, on my own that I thought were going to be decent plays, right? And two years later, the thing was a disaster. It was worth 50% of what I put into it, right? And I didn't put a lot in. I never bet above my head. But it was a disaster, right? Because I was uninformed. I was kind of picking from, you know, no research and just kind of talking to people. And, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. But it really comes down to making sure that you know, you're well informed. And Paul, I don't know if you have any similar situations where you got a, a hot tip that was a disaster, but there's a lot of people that they get a hot tip, if you want to call it that, or a friend tells them this, and they do well, right? And that happens a lot too. So it really depends on the situation. I just personally have not had good luck with these so-called uh, fear of missing out type plays, right? If I yeah. hear someone's investing in something and I try to jump into it, chances are it'll be a disaster. It's it'll right, go up once maybe. I don't jump in, right? When I when I miss out on it, that's when it doubles and multiplies. Yep, uh, Paul, I I think all of our listeners has probably had that. The reason why you don't hear about like your Loman's uh, story there is people don't want to admit that part. <laughs> they don't want to admit the part that, oh, yeah, I, I, I screwed up on that one. They, they only got to tell you about the good ones. Oh, I made a killing on X. I made a killing on Y. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's a tough one. And that, that fear of missing out is, is sometimes so powerful, it becomes irrational. And you make irrational decisions. And I, I think my takeaway there, <laughs> I know we're jumping ahead, but is don't invest over your head. Right. If you're going to take that gamble, you know, go in there, eyes wide open, like, OK, you put in 800 bucks at that time. Are you OK with losing every single penny of that? Right. 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 Yep. And, and that's what you have to do. And, and that's why the mutual funds really sort of existed was the combining of the stocks into these massive things to help offset some of these challenges. Obviously, they're people who spend a lot of time researching, evaluating, and grouping things together for certain reasons, whether it be now environmental or ethics or just, you know, blue chips, whatever you want to call them. And those funds are generally, not all, right, can be good at that. And it's the individual ones where people really gotten burned over the years. Yeah, no, I have to, I have to say the mutual funds is a great call out, right? Because that's that's predominantly I, I'm not a holder of any single stock at this point, um, so everything is in mutual funds, right? Whether my small amount outside of my retirement um, is in a mutual, some of it's in a mutual fund. Um, all of my um, retirement is are in individual mutual funds at this point. No individual stocks in the IRA. Um, it is interesting though because one of the things that comes up is you have to have not only the risk tolerance and but you also have to have the stamina and the patience and the and there's a whole bunch of feelings and emotions that goes into it. And, I, and two things I can kind of call out. One is our financial superhero, uh, which we never mention his name, but he is great at picking individual stocks and shorting and 
options and knowing what to do, right? With laser focus, um, the guy is a machine when it comes to, we'll call it day trading, right? And you've heard the term out there where people will, will you know, trade during the day and, 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 and be able to, you know, um, I guess, you know, make those investments into individual stocks or a couple of stocks and make their money and, you know, get in and out of certain stocks and, 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 and hold and no one to buy and no one to sell. And he's great at doing that, right? And I don't know uh, how much he's made on it, but I suspect it, it's been pretty good, right? I have another friend who back in the late 90s, um, he made a, a big bet on Apple, Right. And everyone will say now, like, and he's never sold it. Right. So, you know, you can imagine, you know, if you bought Apple at $20 a share in 1997, um, what it's worth today. Um, and, and so for him, when I have those discussions with him, it's very matter of fact. Right. He said, look, I, I put money in. I believed in it. And and he's always held it. But if you think back on the ups and downs of even Apple. Right. If, if you put, you know, if you bought Apple at $20 a share and it went to 100 most people would want to get out yeah. and take their profits off the table and run, right? Um, it takes a certain person to weather, right? Where let's say it goes up to 100, then it drops back down to 50. A lot of people forget that. They only see the tip of the iceberg where they say, oh, well, he, 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 he was dumb luck. He, he made that investment. He did well. Mm, I don't know if I buy that, right? Uh, he was informed. He, he took a little bit of a risk, right? But he was informed and, and, he, and he bet long on the stock and he continues to bet long into the stock. And it's paid off, but it's hard for people. It's for me. I don't think people see the anxiety that you might have to go through as that stock is going up and down. So it's a very interesting person that has to take that anxiety and take those uh, emotions into play when you're investing into those single stocks. You don't get as much of that in mutual funds. And Paul, I don't know what your take is on both those situations. Yeah, so uh, Paul, actually, I remember crystal clearly you and I having a discussion about the Apple stock. I was just pulling out of the gas station. This had to be back in the late '90s, where like, yeah, my buddy was talking about the Apple, and you know, I I don't remember, uh, you know, what the price was for some reason, like uh, five dollars a share is clicking in my head at the moment, and. And you were telling me, ah, you know, I think it's gonna come back. It's some good stuff. You know, they got a great product. And this was, if I recall correctly, in the the, the really downside at dark days over over there. Oh yeah, and, pre iPhone, pre iPod. Yeah, yeah, pre all that, <laughs> uh, pre iMac. I think uh, maybe not. I don't know. I think they might have had the gumball iMac. It was a really bad version. Uh, they didn't. Uh, Apple, and this is going on a real sidebar um, from system. <laughs> 7.5 through OS 10, that whole dark era of the other operating systems was a disaster. Yeah. Right. So, but go but, ahead. But Paul. I remember that call. I, I remember the car I was driving, exactly where we were. I mean, I, I remember like where I was on the on the ramp of the gas station where we were talking <laughs> about it. Why I remember that and what I did not, don't remember what I had for dinner last night. I can't tell you, but I, I do remember that discussion. Probably because it was, I, I felt like I missed out on that because I didn't do it. So it's a, it's a really powerful thing, um, that anxiety of, of missing out. Like, oh my goodness, everyone's doing it. No, not everyone's doing it. 
there are people who are doing it. Well, in that yeah. case, Paul, though, people yeah. weren't really doing Apple, right? Like Apple was like no, not that. You, know, no. you know, and and there's a whole, everyone who's listening. There's a whole history of Mac versus PC. Everyone doesn't remember that, but <laughs> in the <laughs> '90s, there was this whole debate over Mac versus PC, and and Paul and I and Ken and others were kind of at that. We've always had these conversations, right? And and as much of a, as a big believer I was in the Mac, I wasn't a big enough believer to invest in the company. <laughs> at the time but i was a huge fan right and right. and and so you know it's just one of those things where i just sort of you know i, I was I, I it wasn't a fear of missing out it was a fear of losing all my money yeah right and I, then I had the same thing with tesla yeah honestly, exactly right, right? I, I was looking at tesla stock not that long you know a few years ago and i think it was around 20 a share at the time and i believed in it i believed in the vision and, and i actually I had wanted a Tesla. I'm like, oh gosh, I really want this car. It's amazing. And, I, you know, I didn't have the, uh, the guts to invest because for fear of, of losing out all the money I'm putting in, you know, money was tight and I'm like, oh, I lose, you know, say I was going to put five grand in, you know, that's a lot of money, right? You know, like, shit, yeah. And because let's face it, their their CEO has been, um, you know, at times erratic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And, and that's what scared me away from from doing that investment, as well as all these again short sellers, right? It was so short of the stock, and I was like, it's gonna fail, it's gonna die. You had legendary car manufacturer icons like e, Lee Iacocca and and others trashing it saying it's never going to work it's this it's that and and now here we are the man's the richest man in the world right yeah, so it, it really is crazy yeah you're 100 percent right, so, right and that's what was driving me nuts about this like i believed in this i wanted this to happen so I, I i felt like i was willing tesla to succeed i was too worried about putting my own money into it kind of like you with the apple and what what held me back in that time was all these quote-unquote experts Right. And now, seven years later, look at where they are. So we're talking about individual stocks here, folks, and doing that research and understanding it. And I think, Paul, you said earlier, believing in it. And if you believe in it enough, maybe you can make that leap of faith. Maybe not. I chose not to. Uh, I was proven wrong. <laughs> uh, I think, Paul, you were too with the Apple, but yet we've also lost money. I remember a guy, it was a tip, a guy told me about a stock. Uh, this is cool. It's this electronic uh, voice recorder, uh, no tapes. So this is, again, in the 90s, mm-hmm. early 90s. Yep. You know, it was a, uh, oh, That's great. And it is, but no one bought into it. Right. Yeah, they sold units, but nothing. It didn't take off like everyone hoped to. And now when you when you look at your mobile phone, whether it be, you know, a Samsung, a OnePlus or an iPhone or any of these devices, look at how many products that device has replaced. It's replaced the point and shoot camera. It's replaced the video camera. It's replaced the voice recorder. It, it, it's replaced so many things. It's replaced the cell phone itself. Is your cell phone really even a cell phone anymore? It's more of a computer than a cell phone. And you could do that trading from that device, right? So I know it's a lot of really off topic here, but 
folks, you have to do your research, understand what you're getting into, and be prepared for that financial pain if it happens. Yeah, and you, accept it. Yeah, you right. have to also understand all great points, Paul. You have to understand what you're investing in, right? So there's so many people out there that, you know, that's another th- thing I was told at one point is buy, buy stocks or buy what you know. Right. And with mutual funds, you have this basket of stocks. But even when you buy that basket of stocks, you know, they'll tell you what they're invested in, what their major positions are in. Right. So, you know, I know, you know, this is not unlike anything that anyone doesn't have out there. But, you know, if you buy a tech mutual fund, um, it'll probably have Facebook and Amazon and, 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 you know, and there's all these specialized funds that are geared towards hedging your risk and, and and reducing the risk on the portfolio. So if Amazon goes down, Facebook goes up, you know, so you're getting this hopefully slow and steady return. They're not without risk. So mutual funds are not without risk, but there's enough um, coverage in these portfolios of, of massive amounts of stock with different companies that are supposed to be able to ride the wave of ups and downs, where if you're buying just Amazon or you're buying just Facebook, um, you really have to know what you're buying and you have to believe in it, like you said, Paul, and understand what you're doing. And then the, the, the hardest part is, how do you know when to get out? So if you are lucky enough to buy into a stock that doubles or goes up 10% or 20%. Do you sell then? Well, most people are like, oh, let it ride, right? Let it ride, right? So, you know, I, I think that what some people will do is, uh, which could be a, a neat one, if you're lucky enough to buy a stock that doubles, pull out the original amount, keep the other amount in there, and let that ride, right? And then there's no harm, no foul, right? So that's a tip that I know some people adhere to is if you're lucky enough to buy a stock that doubles in price, pull your original investment out, put that back into your bank account and just let the other money ride like a, like a casino. So at the end, if the thing craps out on you and, and you lose it all, well, you lost that. But most people don't have that mindset, right? Most people believe that once they've doubled their money, that money's theirs, right? So they don't want to lose that money either, right? So Paul, I don't know what your opinion is on uh, I don't know if the word is greed, if that's the word, but you know, you have to know uh, when to get in and out of these stocks, which could be incredibly hard, right? Timing investment and buys and sells, and that's where it gets really crazy, and that's where the emotions tie back in. What's your opinion in terms of buying and selling, kind of the day trading, or you know, that effect of buying and increases in value, selling or decreases in value? Let's say it cuts in half. Do you sell then, or? Do you sell when it goes down to 20% of what you bought it for? Yeah. So, Paul, I do love the uh, the logic of, okay, if you are lucky enough and it does double, pull out your original investment and then then you're good. You're, you're at least whole. Uh, I, I love that strategy. Um, I probably should have practiced that a little bit more <laughs> on some of them because uh, one of them uh, did very well. Uh I didn't have much in it, unfortunately, and I think I told you that story one time where it went up a lot. I talked to one of my buddies who's a professional, um, and he's like, don't get greedy. And, and that was his message to me, like, don't get greedy. And I, I probably took that wrong, right? I, I took that as don't get greedy. I pulled everything out. Mm. I took my money. I took everything out. Instead of what you're suggesting, which I, I love, is take out my original investment and let the less ride then. And had I done that, um, 
maybe we could be doing this full time and uh, and have fun. So <laughs> it was that big a deal. Uh, I, I love that. But it is hard. When do you sell? But if you made that commitment that uh, I'm willing to lose it all, well, you have to decide what is your threshold of pain for that? If it does drop 50% because of whatever reason, do, do you see it going back up? And it's not just you, oh, I got a feeling. You have to understand it and do the research. And the wave of mutual funds and, and the, the grouping of them is generally a safer bet. Not always, but generally it is a, a better thing. You know, day trading is risky. It's dangerous. Uh, I don't think it's for your for your average person. I don't think it's for your average temperament. You, you really have to understand the market in and out and probably have done it as a quote-unquote professional over years before you sort of got into that because it requires you to be at work in front of your machine all day, almost ready to jump on something unless you have automatic sells and buys in there. But th there's, there's a lot to that. So I, I don't think I have that temperament or, or threshold for that. I kind of want to, you know, I, I'm playing the, the, the snail or the tortoise here, right? Slow and steady. That's how I've been doing it. And the fear of missing out on the GameStop type thing is is real. It's, um, it's going to happen again. I do think uh, there's going to be fallout from this one. I, I do think there's going to be perhaps regulations around what happened with the GameStop, and it's going to be used as a as a case. I think it's going to be a textbook case for for people to understand and learn from, you know, about shorts, about options, um, and will there be government regulation around the percentage of a stock? I'm making this up. The percentage of a stock that's allowed to be shorted, you know, uh, maybe that's a way of minimizing. Uh, something that happened here but then are you really a free market are you a yeah, free market lots economy? of debate yeah. there right and, and it's crazy yeah. you know kind of touching upon i want to i want to caveat that mutual funds are risky so you know when it yes, comes to mutual are. funds you still want to and, I, and I, I wasn't indicating that you were saying they weren't risky but i just want to reiterate uh for the audience and we've talked about mutual funds in the past you got to do your homework there too Right, you got to look Everywhere. at your Morningstar reports. Uh, that's a common tool that people use to look at the ratings of a of a of a mutual fund. How long the mutual fund manager's been leading that fund in terms of putting the stock picks together and what's their track record. So you could get all that, right? So you definitely want to do that in terms of you know selling the stock. Your your stock selling story, Paul. You know, a lot of people. Um, you know, I I use the word splitting the middle, right? Like, can you? Well, maybe you should have sold you know X amount, or you know, when it goes to a certain amount, you sell a little bit off right to kind of hedge your bet right but then you're sitting there thinking man then i'm gonna fear missing out i could have had that money in there i could have made more it's kind of like that vegas effect right so i think it's very hard to control um those emotions right and that's why i go back to my my uh story about my friend who bought apple man the emotional roller coaster he must have went through over the last two decades yeah. must have been incredible right yeah. like you know the times he should have potentially bought or sold but should have bought more Right. Like I should have bought more. Right. Should have sold my house, put it all in. Right. Because it's that good looking. Right. Yeah. Well, um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot. If we knew what we knew now. Heck yeah. 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 And that's that's always going to be the tough part is is trying to figure out, 
you know, how you do this. I have another friend of mine, and getting back to your point, the professionals, right? I have a friend of mine who's um, is a, he's a hedge fund. He's a professional portfolio manager. Uh, him and his partner, uh, they cover certain sectors. Um, and when I tell you they live and eat and breathe those sectors and the research and the detail that goes into the research, right? Um, you know, so for example, um, I know someone was telling me about this once, um, you know, the retail, if you're following the retail sector, that'll be somebody who buys and sells and invests just in retail stock, right? There are services out there that do surveillance of parking lots to make, to see, are people out there shopping? Mm -hmm. What's going on? They use that aggregated data. I, I found out about that one time and I went to go tell my friend about it. He goes, yeah, that's been out there for years, right? So there are things out there that the average day trader might just not have access to, right? The professionals are living, eating, breathing these things. They have the tooling. They have the ability. They have the funding, right? There's all these things that the hedge funds and professionals have. I don't want to call it, I guess I would call it an edge, right? They have this edge of being able to have all this information. And even then, they're wrong sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. They have down years and stuff. So if you're just a, a guy like me in front of a computer with a bunch of stocks and just throwing arrows at a dartboard, I think there was something about that once where uh, they've done these comparisons where they take a monkey and they, or they, they throw darts <laughs> at a dartboard. They take a monkey and they tell the monkey to put the banana peel on a certain thing, certain stocks or pick certain stocks. And the monkey does better than the professionals, right? That, 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 that story's been out there for ages, right? So, Paul, I don't know what your take is, but what is your take when it comes to, you know, the pros versus the amateurs, we'll call them, in terms of trading? Yeah, Paul, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I They have teams of people looking at these things. Like cash register receipts, right? You know, uh, I think the best example that maybe a lot of folks could relate to is the economic data that sometimes you hear. You might hear something on unemployment and you have the official numbers, but before you hear the official numbers, you might hear the ADP report. So ADP is a large payroll processing firm. And that's sort of pre-data. So that data that they're taking, and because they're so big, they can extrapolate that out to the entire economy and give a, a guidance to it before the official Fed numbers come out. And to your point about cameras watching security surveillance to see number of cars in a lot, that's just one example. There's tons of stuff out there like that. You know, they, they look at, obviously, weather forecasts, and the weather reports to temperatures for the the crops, right? So th there's so much analytical information and big data out there that they're leveraging and have purchased, quite frankly, to help them give them that edge. And the average individual, it's really hard to compete with that stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's really hard. Uh, uh, it's almost quite a bit of luck right yeah. you, you have people when a new phone's coming out they're saying well xyz company is a supplier of pick a phone brand right and they increase their shipments of glass for for phone screens by 30 percent that that's the level of detail the glass to look at the glass of the screen to predict how many devices a company is going to sell next quarter. 
Yeah, it, so. it really is crazy. And I'm reminded of that movie with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I did. Dan I Aykroyd, trading, places. trading Places. Yeah, yep. where they talk about the orange juice futures. And yep. it, it's a comical, but in a it's weird true. way, telling what could happen, right? It, it really is interesting. And, and, and it's definitely not an educational movie by any means. Uh, but, but at the end of the day... It, it, lessons it, it, in there. There's some lessons in there, right? There's definitely some lessons in there, and and so, um, so it's a fun movie to watch. But it, it kind of ties back to, you know, it really, you know, the information. Even if you have or you think you have the right information, it might not be the right information, right? Things can throw this stuff into a tailspin. And the other, the other thing I kind of tie it to, which is probably not a good kind of an analogy, is is sports betting, right? So. Um, I had friends of mine growing up, and they would look at, you know, they 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 would, you know, um, bet on, you know, college and 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 uh, professional football or basketball or baseball, and they would, you know, now at the age of the internet, you know, it's even better. People are looking at, you know, injury stats, and they're looking at, you yeah. know, weather conditions. Everything you just mentioned, Paul, about the stock market, they're doing in sports betting. So think about that for a minute, right? So. Think about, so maybe it's more analogous than I originally thought at the beginning of my statement, where you have all these services out there uh, where you could, you know, if you're looking at, um, you know, the Giants versus the Mets. No, I'm just kidding, you know, uh, showing off my my prowess for uh, uh, athleticism. But, you know, the Giants versus the Redskins or whatever, right? Um, People will study injury reports and weather conditions and stats on players and for for a whole week before they bet that game yeah and even yep. when they bet that game it's almost 50 50 because you have people that are that are handicapping the, the 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 bets with points and stuff like that it's probably a whole other podcast i don't know if we've ever done one on gambling per se um it would probably be a short podcast because paul and i we don't gamble, don't, so, right. so <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to add much to that podcast. <laughs> what was that? I said, I don't know if I'd add much to that podcast. I gambled once at a casino. I said, I'm going in. If I lose my 20 bucks, I'm done. I lost my 20 bucks very quickly, and I was done, and I had to wait hours for my friend to finish, so I just wandered around aimlessly. Yeah, I lost 40 bucks and I went to the bathroom and cried for an hour. And then same situation, right? I drove back from Atlantic City with some friends uh, and and I was miserable because I lost $40. And and, and the two guys I was with, they hit for like a couple of grand, right? Like, but few and far between, right? Lesson, you know, side lesson there. Um, If we were to ever do a podcast on on gambling, um, whether it's sports gambling or casino gambling. Um, people who win big, they'll tell you there's a lot of losses behind that big win. Um, most of them will tell you that. Um, but it ties back to the topic today, right, in terms of risk and gambling. And you don't want to bet over your head. Um, you want to make sure you're well-informed. Like even if you're going – you want to know and, – and not that it's going to give you an edge, but there is a level of edge if you know how to – play roulette versus walking up to the table and blindly putting chips on the table. Well, there's a lot right. of math behind that. Yeah, there's math or 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 even uh, a simpler game like like um uh blackjack, right? The, you got to know the rules, you got to know somewhat what you're doing. Um so, you know, or if you're playing Texas Hold'em stuff like that. I know we're on way different tangents here, but they sort of do collide in terms of speculative risk. Whether you're going to the casino or you're investing in the stock market, you have to bet with your head and not over it, right? So you have to put in the money. 
you have to know what you're betting or know what you're investing. Notice that I'm saying betting, investing, betting, investing. They're they're merging uh, to a degree. Um, you know, you want to you want to go in and invest with your head, not over it. Um, you want to. Do your homework, whether it's researching what you're investing into or knowing the game of chance you're going to participate in. You want to know how this how this stuff works, right? And then, you know, and understand what you're doing. And then most importantly, don't invest or bet more than you can afford to lose. So if you're capped at the casino, to your point, Paul, yours was $20. Mine was $40. For others, it might be $500. Um, if you're investing in the stock market on an individual stock, please don't make it more than you could afford to lose. So I think those are all tied together. So, Paul, what, what are your thoughts? I know I said a lot in that, but I'll kind of let you have the last words before we jump into the summary recap today. Uh, Paul, I, I don't think I could have summed it up any better. I, I really do. It's... Uh, you captured all my thoughts in that. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think just to kind of, you know, um, you know, to that point, uh, I'll leave it with just, I'll, I guess I'll do one last thing, right? So really, do not invest more than you can afford to lose, right? Do your homework, right? And understand what you're doing. And, and, and good luck. I think that's the key as well. So if anyone you know has any questions on this, please post them to the Facebook page. We'd love to hear back from you on this topic. Um, and with that, I think we'll close it out. Uh, well, Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone. Same here. Cool, cool. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful. But that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.